Good morning, Mondo Baptist Church. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is ballast for us, even in um, scary times such as these. Thank you, Lord, that your word is um, so necessary, more necessary than food. Um, I pray, Father, as we, um, as we, as a people engage with your word in a different way than normal, um, I pray that by your spirit that you would um, still extend the same grace to us through your word. <clears throat> would you grant me to think through these things well when I don't have my brothers and sisters in the same room with me? Um, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you help me to make these things clear uh, and to build up the body of Christ uh, through your preached word? I ask it in your name. Amen. Um, Really famous saying that you all know that the good is enemy of the... I can't hear you. You need to say it a little louder. The good is enemy of the best, right? Tons of good things are always vying for uh, priority over best things. And we have a text in front of us today um, where the apostles demonstrate for us that which is most necessary, that which is highest priority. Um, so if, you're, uh, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, we're going um, to read through the whole thing and, um, and then I'll work our way back through it. So this is Acts chapter 6 verse 1. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon, 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 and Parmenas, Parmenas and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The first uh, thing I wanna point out to you about this text is is the context of it. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, uh, chapter five is... Uh, the story starts with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, um, but it has the the vast majority of chapter five is given to the arrest uh, of the apostles. All twelve, I think, were arrested. It's not uh, just Peter and John this time. It's it's all the apostles because they were growing so uh, so massive, and the powers that be were jealous. They were envious of them, so they arrested them. And um, the, the, an angel of the Lord let them out of, the, out of jail and they were found in the temple preaching again. They were warned again. And um, you guys remember the story of uh, Gamaliel 
coming and, uh, and saying, let these men alone, because you might be, um, if it's of man, it'll peter out. If it's of God, uh, you cannot stop it, and you might even be found fighting against God. Um, so it's a very important context of this, this growing of the body of Christ, but at the same time, the context is persecution, that, that the leaders have been arrested and one of the things I want to point out to you, and it says, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. I just want to show you that one of the most dangerous things to the church, the people of God, comes from within the church. Like we understand chief priests, scribes, they're, they're arresting apostles, they're persecuting. We always think of tyrants. We think of uh, we think of ungodly governments that want to see the church stopped and the gospel um, no longer preached. Um, and so there's been persecution for the last 2,000 years worldwide of um, the people of God, uh, the people of Christ. But probably more dangerous to the people of God are those uh, threats which come from the inside. Uh, it says a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Um, the word the word complaint is the same word that's used in the Old Testament when, when they rendered the Old Testament Hebrew into New Testament Greek or into uh, Greek. It's the word that's used grumble. Now, if, you've, if you know your Bible, you know that the wilderness wanderings, uh, when, when God rescued his people out of Egypt and led them for 40 years through the wilderness, they were known for consistently grumbling against the Lord and against Moses when when things weren't going their way, they would grumble. And, uh, and Luke takes up that same idea and he says, a grumble by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Now, um, just a, a bit of an explanation there. The Hellenists are, were Greek-speaking Jewish people after Alexander the Great swept the world and then died uh, pretty young. He gave, uh, he gave control to his generals and um, one of the generals took control of, uh, of, the, um, of Israel, of this land. And so there began to be massive um, influence of Greek uh, language and culture going on um, even in uh, the promised land. And so what you're seeing here is you're seeing um, a racial distinction between the Hellenists, those are Jewish people who speak Greek and therefore are somewhat influenced by the Greek culture. And then the Hebrews, those who held to the old language, held to the old culture. Um, but both groups now are in Christ. Both have come to know that uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God who was sent into the world to live, die to pay for sin, rise from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is now um, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, and he will rule and reign there until all of his enemies are made his footstool. So Jesus is Lord. And these people, both the Hellenists and the Hebrews, acknowledge that. They yes and amen that, just like us. But though they are now a new creation in Christ, there's still these old trappings of uh, the way it used to be that, that are still kind of lingering in the body of Christ. And so there's this, uh, there's this complaint um, the, the complaint is their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. We've read several times throughout the book of Acts where people were giving possession. Matter of fact, chapter five, Ananias and Sapphira died because they tried to lie. They sold a piece of property and said, 
uh, they only got a particular amount for it and they're gonna give all of that when, as a matter of fact, they kept proceeds back for themselves. Um, but that was part of this uh, liquidation of assets as the people of God came together and walking through really difficult times, they bled for one another. They, were, they, they had all things in common. Uh, and so they, they would give possessions, they would give wealth to the church and the church would distribute as any had need, we're told. Well, now there's a huge problem. Uh, the Hellenistic, the Greek-speaking widows, okay, these are people who in this culture did not have much uh, protection, much cultural standing uh, that they could rely upon um, people to protect them. They, they had no husband. They had no, this is, uh, you know, a society where, um, where they were just in a, lot of, uh, in a lot of danger just being a widow. Um, and so they're leaning on the church and the church is sacrificing. Everybody's giving so that we can all be one big, happy family, body of Christ. But the widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So this is, uh, this is a huge, huge problem where the body of Christ, the unity of the body of Christ is being threatened by cultural distinctions. This would be, if you'll um, permit me an illustration, this would be like um, everybody being generous with the church in our time of corona quarantine. Um, everybody being generous with the church so that the church can provide needs of, uh, of people, you know, of, of everybody. And um, it, would be, it would be like the church receiving all of these funds. And then as we distribute, um, those in our congregation who are Democrats or those who are Republicans uh, maybe benefiting a little more or a little less based upon the way they voted last year, or voted this year. Um, this would be a, in, in our culture, Democrats and Republicans anymore just can't even uh, talk to each other without, um, yeah, without tearing into each other. And so bringing those distinctions into the body of Christ where it is, we are one body, we're family members. So um, it would be like the church giving certain gifts and graces and provision to some based upon political affiliation uh, versus uh, just giving to all equally. This would be a huge problem. And so they grumble and, and they have a pretty good excuse. Um, they are having their necessities neglected. And so they grumble. Now, I want you to put yourself in this position. Imagine you were like me, a church leader. I, I put myself in, in this scenario. Like, what would I do if a complaint came to me and to the elders that, uh, that though everybody was being generous for, for, uh, so that nobody would be in need, there, there was a party being, um, being neglected and, and experiencing need and want. Um, how would I respond? I can promise you 100% of the time the way that the apostles respond is not the way that I would respond. Shame on me. Listen to what they say. Uh, if you haven't read ahead, which you probably have, but if you haven't, what would you expect them to do? You would expect them to apologize. Oh man, we're so sorry. We'll take care of this. Trust us. Don't, don't, uh, don't stop giving funds. We'll see to this problem. We'll make sure that every, everything is equal and that we, we right this ship. That is not what they do. Listen to what they say. Widows 
or being neglected in the daily distribution, I would just say as well, what did James say about true religion is um, visiting widows and orphans? Like widows and orphans, are. this is a huge, huge thing that they're neglecting. Verse two says, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. They get everybody in one room. This is family meeting time. Here's what they say. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Think about those priorities. Can you imagine for a moment if there was somebody in our congregation that was going hungry and the complaint came to me and my response was not, oh man, so sorry, I'm on my way to fix it. My response was, it's not right for me to give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. It's just not right. Now, let me uh, explain just a little bit. Uh, First off, every single person in the church ought to be willing to serve table. It's not like serving table is just beneath the apostles. Like they're big time, big bad news, you know, and, and serving tables is beneath us. That's not what's going on. What's going on is they have a higher priority, a more necessary thing, and that is the preaching of the word. So I just would tell you, remind you, it is more necessary. It's a great word in um, our, our uh, current shortages where you know uh, everybody's stockpiling food and afraid as to whether or not we're gonna, have, um, we're gonna have food. Let me ask you something. When's the last time that you feared lest you should miss out on the word of God? Is somebody screaming in the background? Maybe so. Um, have you ever been nervous about that? Um, listen, our, our missionaries in pay, the Reese's, the Joneses, Candace, um, they are about to get underway preaching and teaching. The, the pay people will hear the gospel for the first time this year. They have been, since their existence, they have been completely void of the preaching of the word of God. They're getting secondary necessity. They're getting food. They have clothes. Uh, They have everything that they need except for the most important thing, and that is the word of God. So continue to pray for the Reese's uh, and the Joneses. Continue to pray for Candace as they uh, come into a time where they get to share the gospel with the pay people for the first time. It's more necessary Listen to me, brothers and sisters. It is more necessary that you get the word of God than that you get your next meal. It's more necessary. Um, The word of God is that which calls into existence things that don't exist. In the beginning, God said, let there be light and light was. God said he created everything ex nihilo out of nothing by his word. And in the New Testament, what the apostles are experiencing and what the church is experiencing is that God is building his church by the preaching of his word. And if his word stops going out, guess what happens? The church ceases to be built, stops being built. And so the apostles say, look, this is a big problem, but it's not our problem to solve. We'll see to it. We're going to delegate. But everybody needs to know that this is our highest priority the preaching of the word of God. And so um, just a word uh, of reminder to us as uh, Christians, whether or not uh, those listening to this sermon are a part of our church or members of our church, or whether you are um, a card-carrying member of Muldoon Baptist Church, 
Um, you need to know that we may not hit this priority um, 100%. Uh, we may not be great at this, um, but this is a priority that we are that we will die trying to make our own. Okay, this the preaching of the word of God um, is the most important thing that we do, the preaching of the gospel. Um, I told you guys when uh, 10 plus years ago in October, when I came, I said, look, there's tons of responsibilities that a pastor has, tons. But the two that I cannot fail you at, I can fail in visitation, I can fail in um, balancing the checkbook, I can fail in a thousand other ways. Um, what I cannot fail at is preaching the word of God and praying for you. That's where I cannot fail. And so I would appreciate your prayers that I would not fail there. But I love this priority just in, in response to this problem, this neglect where people are going hungry. Their response is, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So there's a grumble, and then there's this fantastic priority. Now they're going to solve the problem. They're going to do it through delegation. Therefore, brothers, in verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Okay, so they have this uh, this great uh Priority, and this is going to be the um, the way that they go about fixing this problem. They say it's very interesting. They tell the congregation to pick out seven men. So you pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit. So there's categories. There's direction. You don't just get to like grab anybody. Um, we want you to pick out seven men that are full of the Spirit and of wisdom, and then we will appoint them to this duty. So there's this cooperation between the congregation and the leadership. Um, that that the leadership takes responsibility for appointing them, but empowers the congregation to select uh, men who are known to be men of the Holy Spirit, who walk in the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, and who are full of wisdom, who can see to this problem. Now, they're going to see to a whole lot of other things. You're going to see um, when, Pete, when uh, Stephen starts preaching, um, he does a whole lot more than just um, wait tables. Um, but they, uh, but the apostles are going to entrust this job uh, to these to these men. We will appoint uh, uh, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and in the ministry of the word. Would that every single pastor in our nation would have this same priority? We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and we will. We will live to the end that nothing will touch that as a priority. That's going to be our priority. This is what's going to define our ministry. What are you going to be known for? Prayer in the ministry of the word or dying trying to make that what defines my ministry. Um, okay, so let, let me speak to you a little bit about uh, this idea of, uh, of delegation. Um, I love that... Um, that one of the things that's being uh, modeled for us here is the unity of the body, uh, but the diversity of the body as well. So there, there's one body of the Lord Jesus Christ that is global and historic. 
Every single person who's been born again by the Spirit of God through the preaching of the word, if they have heard the gospel, believed in the gospel, they've been born again by the Holy Spirit, and they are part of the one body of Christ. This is why we confess we believe in the Catholic, the Holy Catholic Church. Not the Roman Catholic Church, but the one universal body of Christ worldwide and time-wide. One body. But that one body has many members and they do not all do the same thing. Paul says, not all speak in tongues, do they? And the, the obvious answer is no, they do not. Each member has a gift that functions in a different way. And so the apostles are saying, we're gonna devote ourselves to preaching, to the ministry of the word, and then we're gonna appoint other people to devote themselves to, uh, to solving uh, this problem. And so uh, one of the things that, that we need to rediscover in the church is that every single born-again believer has been given at least one spiritual gift for the sake of the body, and they are to use that to build up the body of Christ. That's, that's our job. Um, it's really important that we would understand that not all people do all things, that not all people are going to be preaching the word. Um, not all people are going to be waiting tables. Not all people are going to be um, um, ultra gifted at evangelism. That's not to say that uh, it's not your job to be heralds of the gospel. You need to be prepared um, and be excited and eager and prayerful about sharing the gospel. But, um, but not everybody's an evangelist. Um, not everybody's a pastor teacher. And so we each have these gifts that the Lord gives, the Holy Spirit distributes to each as he wills. And so um, it's a really cool, encouraging thing to think about uh, that you don't have to go try and be like somebody else. You can, you can learn by imitation, but you don't have to, um, you don't have to say, man, if I'm not like, um, for me, like if I'm not like Tommy Nelson, if I'm not like, Doug Wilson, if I'm not like John Piper, if I'm not like John Calvin, if I'm not like these guys that I love to death, uh, I'm somehow coming up short. And the reality is like, I, I ought to learn and try and Im imitate those men, um, but I can't be those guys. And I shouldn't uh, feel myself as a failure if I, uh, if I fall short um, of, their, of their standard, of their mark. Uh, you're the same way, like who do you look up to in the faith? Continue to look up to them but also know that God has made you for a particular purpose to build up the body of Christ and he's gifted you in a particular way. So you be spirit-filled you and, um, and the church will be better for it. So they, uh, there is unity in the body. There's diversity in the function of the way, um, the way the body works. By the way, this is part of what it means to bear the image of God. We believe that there is one God. That one God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one. It's, God is one. Um, the Father sent the Son. The Son did not send the Father. The Father did not die on the cross. Jesus, the Son, died on the cross. So there's unity uh, there's not two wills in God. There's only one will in the Trinity, in the triune God. But there's, there is um, distinction in the roles within the Godhead. Um, and the church bears that image. We bear the image of God in this way, that there's one body of Christ and there are different members that have different roles and responsibilities. And so the apostles are demonstrating this priority for us by saying our priority is 
the ministry of the word and prayer. Um, and then we're going to, other men are going to raise up to this, uh, to see to this priority and to, and to fix this problem so that the Hellenistic widows are not being overlooked in the daily distribution of um, food and probably um, cash too, probably resources. So, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse five, and what they said pleased the whole gathering um, now, I would just say in passing, um, what does it mean that the leadership of the apostles pleased the whole gathering? It does not necessarily mean that the apostles did exactly what the gathering wanted them to do. Uh, this idea of, of leadership and submission to leadership, uh, it's not a deal where... I'll submit so long as the leaders do what I want them to do. We, we've been talking about the fact that we're not gathered today is due to our president saying, you know, uh, don't attend gatherings more than 10, more than 10 people. And we have way more than 10 people in our church. I mean, way more. And so um, in, in submission to him uh, uh, leading in a way that he has the right to lead, um, we're not we're not meeting together. We're, we're submitting to him now. That's not what I wanted. Um, it's not like he called for that. I'm like, yeah, we don't have to meet today. Look, I want to meet with you. I want to gather with you. Um, but we're submitting to him because he's leading in a way we may not love, uh, but we're going to honor uh, we're going to honor God by submitting to him. This is what submission means. That when when it says that it pleased the whole the whole gathering, I think there's this. Um, there's a, a manly leadership from the apostles that they're not going to allow the gr- a grumbling people to undo their priority. Um, but then as well, there is a trust that is given by the people to the leadership that like these people know, e- even though they might've solved the problem, wanted the problem solved a different way. I think that they know, man, our leaders are, they, they love us. They're decent men. They're not perfect. But they're decent men. They're trying their they're trying their best to lead in this complicated situation, and so we're going to trust them, and we're going to walk in submission to them. This is um, Book of Hebrews, uh, I believe it's Hebrews eleven. Obey your leaders and submit to them, uh, uh, for they are keeping watch over your souls as men who will have to give an account. I want to make sure I'm not obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And I would just say, uh, as a word of exhortation, well, two things. One, thank you, Moldy Baptist Church. You guys, um, since the day I showed up, for the most part, there have been um, crazies that have uh, that have come and gone that have um, have not uh, not all of them have been crazy. Let me uh, walk that back. There have been people who uh, did not uh, desire to obey leadership, but for the most part. It has been a it has been a pleasure and not a groaning um, for me to shepherd you and for the elders to uh, to shepherd you because y'all desire to obey um, and submit. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and then let me give you one more word of um, exhortation: Do this when it matters. Okay. Most often, um, what happens is people will call it obeying and submitting so long as the leadership does or says what they want. And so 
it's actually not obeying. It's not submitting. It's saying, I will obey and submit so long as you lead in a way that I already want to go. But if you, as, as men who are praying for me, who know you have to give an account for me, if you lead me into a way that I don't want to go, I'm not going to go. That is not obeying and submitting to your leaders, okay? Just a word of warning. Obey, submit when it matters because it's those times when it matters that typically you don't see clearly. You don't see um, things as clearly as you should. Um, and so it, it's, uh, it's those times when, when uh, we think that, um, that we know better and so we're gonna do our own, our own thing. Um, and those are, those are very dangerous times. And so um, the problem is brought to the apostles. The apostles show their priority. They also show um, leadership to, to fix this problem. And, uh, and there, is, um, there is receptivity among the people. What they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose, and they choose seven guys. Now, um, I would love to have had one of your elders butcher these names uh, so that I would have you know, just been able to skip over them. But uh, Stephen, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus. Um, most commentators agree that these seven names are Greek-ish names. So it's entirely plausible. Um, I'm not going to bet the farmer die fighting anybody on this, but that the Hellenistic, remember the Greek-speaking widows are the ones being overlooked by the Hebrew-speaking uh, people. And so when they say, choose seven men full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, the seven men that are chosen are Greek speakers. And so one of the, one of the um, important things there is like that the church just seemingly body-wide says, look, this was a problem. And so um, we're willing to let the, the people who are being neglected, we're willing to let them speak into who leads and who fixes this problem. They can be people sort of like, you know, not that we're having sides, but um, yeah, Greek speakers to, uh, to watch over this. Um, so Stephen, who's going to factor in uh, massively in the, next, uh, in the next chapter or two, Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. It's very fascinating. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna pass over it because um, it's, a, it's a, no, I'm not. Because, I mean, it's not like um, y'all are here to stop me. Um, I love, he's called Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. A proselytize uh, in, in the New Testament, to proselytize is to make somebody a convert to Judaism. So, you have a Gentile who would, uh, who would come to uh, the Jewish faith. He would be circumcised. He would be baptized into the Jewish faith. And then he would be treated as a, as a Jewish person, a proselyte. He's now, um, he's been grafted into Abraham. We are at a point in the narrative of the gospel where at the, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the outermost reaches of the earth. The gospel is in Jerusalem right now. Um, we just read in the last chapter that people from all over Judea are coming to Jerusalem, but it's not as though the gospel is spread there. It's still just in Jerusalem. So, but the gospel is gonna move from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, uh, the first sort of cultural jump. Um, 
where it spreads to what were viewed as half-breed, half-Jewish people, half-Gentiles, um, half and then to the outermost reaches of the earth to the Gentiles, right? This guy, it's very interesting. There are only Jewish Christians right now, and so he's not described as a Gentile Christian. He's described as a proselyte of Antioch. So this is a Gentile who has, who has become Jewish, proselyte and in becoming Jewish he is trusted in the Lord Jesus and so we're at this um, this is an indication that we're in a transitional period in the body of Christ where um, there's still some of the old lingering um, distinctions Hellenists Hebrews proselytes all of those things eventually are going to work themselves out to where any more like um, we wouldn't call ourselves a proselyte. We would call ourselves a Christian. We would just say, yeah, he, his name, the last guy's name is Nicolaus. He was a Christian from Antioch. But no, he's called a proselyte here because the gospel hasn't invaded all every scope, invaded every circle that Jesus said it would invade. So these seven men are chosen. And in verse six, these they set before the apostles. They prayed and laid their hands on them. So it's this, um, this symbolic idea of vesting an authority on, um, on these seven men, and then they send them off to, do, uh, to take care of this problem. Verse seven, and the word of God continued to increase. Isn't that fantastic? So the apostles say, look, this is a great problem, and it's a good thing for there not to be distinction in the body of Christ. It's a good thing for people not to go hungry, but it's not the best, the most important thing is that the word of God would be preached and they, they hold that priority, whether it's popular or not, they hold that, they maintain that priority in the bookend of this text is, and the word of God continued to increase. And then, by the way, what do we say about the word of God? It's the word of God that creates everything, particularly the word of the gospel creates the church. The church is built by the preaching of the word of God, the preaching of Christ. And so when we read right here, the word of God continued to increase. Before you read ahead, I might ask, what does that look like? The word of God continued to increase. Well, the number of the disciples multiplied. So the church is being built up as the word of God is, being, uh, is increasing. Um, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, so those who are high up, in the in a Jewish faith, uh, many of whom withstood Christ in his ministry, many of whom were part of the party that arrested the apostles early on, many of them are now becoming obedient to the faith, and it's all because the leadership in the church uh, manifested this high priority: the preaching of the word of God and the prayer of the saints. So, um, you've got. Grumbling, you've got their priority, you've got a delegation to fix the problem, um, and then you've got victory uh, victory in the end. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests uh, became obedient to the faith. Now, I'll say this in closing. We are in a really sketchy time. Um, can be uh, frightening. S some of you, and talking to a lot of you, a lot of you guys are not afraid at all. You're just, well, I'm just going to hold up at home and, and wait for this thing to blow over. Uh, some of you guys are probably frightened and think that this is the beginning of the zombie apocalypse, the beginning of the end. 
Um, let me just let me just say that it is in these times that it is most important for us to manifest this priority of the preaching of the word of God. Um, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is what fixes the nations. It, it is what is going to remake the world. It's what's going to revolutionize the pay people as they come to know uh, the holiness of God and their sin against him and what God in Christ has done to reconcile them back to himself. Um, whatever problem you think you're dealing with or you are dealing with, um, the answer to that problem ultimately is that the son of God was crucified and he rose from the dead and he has remade the world. And so we need to continually come back to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news that God is the victor and um, that there is no power um, in this earth that can undo what he has chosen to do. So let me pray for you and, um, and we'll be done. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that, um, uh, yeah, as the song says, that Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Uh, that there are men from every tribe and tongue and nation and people group that you have purchased by the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would find us as a church committed to this same priority, the preaching of the word of God in prayer. We pray, Lord, um, that your word, your gospel would go out and would, um, would make new men out of everybody, out of every American, that your gospel would go out um, and make new men, women, and children among the pay people. And um, yeah, Lord, we pray, uh, we pray for the leaders of our church and we pray for the congregation of our church that we would be, um, that we would be people who, uh, leaders who lead with your priorities and that we would be a congregation who recognize when that is being done and, uh, and who would submit and obey um, when, um, yeah, when those priorities are the priorities that are leading the way. And so would you, um, would you grant that we would be, um, that we would be this type of church who would, um, who would love what you love. I pray, Lord, a blessing for, uh, for our body as we're at home, that you would grant rest and encouragement and that you would build us up in the faith. And we ask it in the name of Jesus and for his sake, amen. God bless you.